0: Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's-get-it-done realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our field. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Real Estate Unscripted. I am very excited today to talk about something that when you first hear, you're going to go, wow. Oh insurance Uh oh right so people hear insurance and they're like oh boy so we are going to talk about the important parts of insurance what lenders and realtors need to re- realize with insurance why you need to really think about who you're working with what the opportunities are in this market because it's a challenging market but we're going to get into that so today i am honored to be able to talk to and have you all learn about danny maston who is with the maston agency say hi Hello. So I've learned a ton. You guys are gonna learn a ton too. I think it's funny, we assume, I mean, I've had insurance for many years. We don't have to talk about how many years, and I have all kinds of insurance. We think about insurance when we need it, right? So we need insurance, and instead we've really gotta be proactive. But even as we're talking about home buying, how we need to really pay attention to things that we might not think of. So Danny, you have been an insurance agent, you at least 15 years, you're partners with your brother,
1: right? That's correct, yes
0: and tell, so let's start with the states you're licensed in so cuz you can really help people so all you that are listening when you especially after this and you go ooh i got to know him where can you underwrite or help people with their insurance
1: sure yeah currently we're licensed that we sell insurance in virginia west virginia north carolina south carolina pennsylvania maryland and we're in the process of adding new states all the time
0: That's fantastic. So, you know, let's say I'm in California, you can partner up with someone so you can help me as well. Even if that my name stayed and I'm listening right now, it was not necessarily on that list, but you know, you live in Virginia like me. So we live in Virginia and you, like I said, are partners with your brother, which of course I love. I love a family business. I think that's fantastic. You were with a major company before you've done this a long time. And we're going to talk about some things that I think are interesting because one is, I think many people, of course, understand you call insurance and you get a policy and you pay for it. And But let's talk about the ways that different companies are structured. And your company has basically done your company and companies like you have disrupted this insurance market. So I didn't really realize. But let's talk about, like, for example, what is a captive company? So if there's a captive insurance company, what does that mean?
1: Yeah. So a captive agent is someone that works just for that particular company. And I'll call out a few brand names. Like, you know, you could be, so if you're a progressive agent or a Geico agent, you work for Geico, you work for progressive, and that's who you sell your insurance through. And so you're an employee of that company. Okay.
0: And so if I'm a captive company, like maybe State Farm, and again, by the way, let's be clear, we are not This is not to disrespect or tell anyone not to work with those companies at all. This is a descriptor. I have a lot of insurance through State Farm. So let's be clear. But as a captive company, they can write the policies through their company, right? They don't open up, let's call it, to the open market, right? Is so That's cool. the biggest difference here.
1: Correct. I'm with you on that. You know, all these companies are good companies. They've been around a long time. So they obviously do a good job using State Farm for the example. Like if you want to buy a State Farm policy, you have to go to a State Farm agent in order to buy it. Right. And that's the only way you can get it. And that's pretty much the best definition of captive. Like yeah. if you want it, you got to come to us to get it and you're not going to get it anywhere else.
0: And that's okay. Again, that is one way to do it. Then there's almost, we're calling it a quasi or sort of captive, right? Like what's the difference there?
1: So the difference there is like, they start with their own brand, whatever company that is. And if it's not a good fit, whether it's underwriting considerations or just maybe even price considerations, then they do have a few other options that they can pivot to and offer to their customers.
0: So a little more flexibility in terms of you don't meet any requirements for our box. We have a couple other boxes that we can reach out to.
1: Correct. Exactly right. And
0: then there's more independent. You are more independent. So, I mean, again, through these definitions, logic is taking us there. But what does that mean?
1: So, that means we don't really have ties to anybody. So, we're able to get a big group of companies that we work with and we treat them all equally. We are able to underwrite through all of them, sell their products, and we don't have any preference on who we work with. Like, whatever the best fit is for that customer, that's what guides us. Whatever company that we use for them.
0: When we really talk about disrupting the market, the reason that is is because, and again, we're not saying anything's bad, the most flexibility, the most options, of course, if you can open it up to 15 companies versus one, for me as a consumer, what it allows is. Hey, again, you don't fit in this box. We can fit in this box over here, here, and here. So it gives me a few more options. Again, nothing against a traditional company because there's always options, but that's the change, right? So in other words, if I have an issue and we're going to go through potential issues that are kind of clear things for us to all think about, right, as realtors and then lenders as well, but really more on our end in this case. So it is a benefit, right, to have some more options, especially when I'm not a one-year-old home that is pretty much going to be easy to insure. Let's call it across the board. I mean, there's some homes that are going to check every box, frankly, potentially for every carrier, right? Like there's just no red flag. There's no age issue, whatever it may be. But then as I have challenges and we're going to talk about them after we talk about the insurance market as a whole, then I have more options. So that's just one way to look at it. So now- We're in a challenging market. Would you agree? I mean, Dan, yes, are we in very, a challenging market?
1: Very, very <laughs> challenging. Yes. So, it's, in more ways than one, we're in a challenging market. That is I- for sure
0: so we're in a challenging market i mean look you know with the economy with mortgage rates with availability of homes with also misunderstanding nationally of the market because i was watching the news yesterday and there was a piece on you know how the market is now changed so much which isn't the case because it's area by area nationally we're all in different pockets some places have slowed down we have pockets where prices are coming down most of the market not that way right so it's challenging in that for me on my end there hasn't been enough inventory right we have buyers that have been frustrated rates have gone up there's just been a lot of volatility we'll call it right opportunity there too but volatility so we think about it naturally well for the lenders and realtors if we're using groups there's a lot of challenge i didn't really sit back and think enough about the challenge in the insurance industry right now let's be honest you can think about okay there's a hurricane in florida there's a challenge in Florida, right? Like for you guys, right? So you think about it per a disaster, which is of course awful, but you think logically like where the wildfires are, big challenge. But nationally you think, well, I mean, I'm in Charlottesville, Virginia, right? Yes, other than my market challenge. Like, let's talk about some of the clear challenges that I don't think people really spend time thinking about how that affects insurance. Like what's a biggie?
1: Yeah, well, inflation's the biggest, obviously. You know, everything costs more. so claims have gone up dramatically because of that. So the cost of construction, cost of labor, cost of materials, strictly speaking on the home side, that all those things are going up and have gone up and hopefully won't continue to go up. But insurance rates have not been able to keep up with that over the past few years. So we're seeing rates go up and up and up. And some carriers don't want to continue to raise their rates. So in order to not raise rates, they get more strict on their underwriting. So they just take on less new customers in order not to have to keep raising their rates
0: things that I didn't know. So each state has
1: its own regulations. Yeah, insurance is regulated by the states, it's going to be different in every state. And, you know, and You know, just like you were talking about, you know, real estate is a local product. Every local market's different. And insurance, to some extent, follows those same rules. However, you know, they're dependent on the carrier. That wildfire in California can have an impact on us here because it's losses for the company no matter where it happened. So it just depends on each carrier is a little different with the way they treat those. But all of those things add up to really affect the insurance market as a whole.
0: And then you also told me that if you want to raise rates, you have to petition the state.
1: Yeah, you know every state has their own Bureau of Insurance and they have to approve rate increases or decreases. Usually the decreases are easier to approve, but <laughs> any rate action they want to do or bring in a new product, whatever, they have to get all that is regulated by the state.
0: And so and you mentioned this, but when we think about it, let's, let's just use roof shingles. You said roof shingles have gone up. They're 50% more than two years ago, right? So number one, it's the acquisition. So the roof that might've cost 7,500, you know, now it's 10,800 or whatever. So that's number one. Then I got the cost of labor to install that roof. First, you got to find the person, good luck. And then that cost has gone up. So materials, labor, all of it. Right. So Correct. that simple quote unquote roof replacement now is much more expensive and harder to do and takes longer. And let's say let like, my roof is so damaged. I got to go stay in a hotel that takes, you know what I mean? Like there's all the little pieces and parts and you got to pack me out so that, you know, there's all of it. It's not just a roof. So all of that matters. And then we're not going to spend a lot of time on autos, but same thing, right? The car market, COVID goes crazy now. Parts like anyone who's trying to, we've have a, a, something leaking in the top of a truck that apparently will never be fixed. There's no repair possible for this. <laughs> right. But four times, and you know, replacing this light and that light and doing this and sealing this and none of it, and then yeah, it took four weeks for a light. Right. So takes time, and then on the insurance end, I need a rental car in theory if I've had an accident. So all of these things result in greater costs. Correct. So, and at some point, right, there are other issues too. So again. Having a lot of options from a company that has different policies, right, matters when it's harder to get insured.
1: Right, exactly. And having the options, it's a huge benefit because, you know, as we're talking about rates going up and again, no one wants to hear, you know, costs going up, you know, on their car insurance or their home insurance. That's not a fun topic. But some companies, you know, have already raised their rates. So maybe they're not raising rates right now. So, you know, you've got different areas of opportunity where you can explore different options that you may not have explored before. One of the things that we're seeing a lot, especially some of the regional carriers, their rates aren't skyrocketing as much as some of the big national carriers because they're isolated. Like, you know, if if I've got a company that only writes insurances in, say, Virginia and North Carolina, they're not exposed to the wildfires in California or the flooding in California. Like, they don't have that exposure, so they don't factor that into their rates. So it's good to have variety in options, basically. Or in
0: theory, I guess, maybe this is wrong, but as I'm thinking about it, so I live in Virginia, there's a coastal Virginia, which could have storms and hurricanes. You aren't, yeah, you'll have a storm in Charlottesville and we could have hurricane residual, but we don't have an ocean. Right. <laughs> so could I also not say, hey, I'm only going to insure this portion of, you know, they I do,
1: do that? yeah. They'll restrict zip codes. They'll sure. say anything in this zip code, we're not going to do right now. And that happens all the time in insurance. You know, if a hurricane's coming in, you know, this you're watching the, the Today Show and you see Al talking about, hey, there, here comes hurricane, whatever name it is, coming in. They'll <laughs> put a moratorium and you won't write anything. You know, they'll oh. say, oh, you know, we're going to wait you know, a few days and let this thing ride out and, you know, then we'll start writing again. That's oh. made on an individual company basis. Now, they all tend to follow suit with that, but it does happen.
0: So yeah, so if you see Jim Cantore on a beach falling over, getting rained yes. you know you ain't getting no insurance there, right? <laughs> again,
1: no insurance this week. Okay. No. And
0: again, I am laughing not because this is funny; it's not image, right. But you know, there is all these memes of him anyway, right? Where the, right. You know it's bad <laughs> right. if he's right. there, get out because it's that's a, exactly he knows where it's bad. So, yeah. so you also we talked about there is obviously always cycles. We know this, like in a real estate market, there is sellers' markets, balance markets, buyers' markets, right? And again, you know the rates, everything else, but there is also cycles clearly in the insurance market right? So you mentioned that there's a growth cycle. What's a growth cycle?
1: So growth cycles, when companies are trying to grow, they're trying to bring on new customers and that's when you see rates are the most competitive, you know, with each other. Carriers are kind of fighting for business, you know, want to lower rates, bring on new customers. They may loosen their risk appetite a little bit. Like, you know, they'll say, okay, instead of, you know, someone that had two claims, we'll take someone that had three claims now, or, you know, if, on the the auto side, they'll say, okay, you know, we're only going to surcharge you X amount for a speeding ticket now instead of, you know, being more strict about it. So that's kind of the growth cycle. It's kind of like they want your business. And then there's underwriting cycles, which is kind of where we're in now. Whereas, you know, the carriers are getting more strict on, you know, the criteria of what, you know, the box that people have to fit in in order to qualify to get their insurance for that particular home that they may be buying. So they just get a little more strict. Rates tend to be you know, increased during that period of time as well. And all the insurance companies are trying to do is they're trying to get their risk profile to where it's profitable, and they have to be. We call it loss ratio in insurance. They have to have the loss ratio in line to be profitable because at the end of the day, they got to be able to pay the claims. So they have to make sure they have enough reserves in order to pay the claims that they've promised to pay if they happen.
0: Okay. Well, obviously yes. Cause I'm paying for the insurance. If I have a catastrophe, I can't have, well, we did we cover you. That is not okay. Right. I'm or sorry. probably legal, but
1: so, okay. yes, not right. And illegal yeah, <laughs> for
0: okay. sure. that. Yeah. So, all right. I want to get into some triggers because when I call them triggers, we're going to go through kind of, obviously there's different processes, but when I'm a realtor or you're a homeowner, right. Or any of you all right. That are listening. there are different ways you can get insurance, the carrier. So like, let's say I have one, two, three main street, you, as my insurance agent depending on the house where it is everything else you could go online you could see the pictures on zillow you could have enough information it's new enough there's no triggers we'll call them we can underwrite that policy you could also go outside right. just walk around the outside right you could still underwrite it but you're going to do a site visit we'll call it but you're only seeing the outside and then there's the full employment right where you need to get inside you need to really evaluate the house there's the conditions and criteria for those but certain triggers we'll call them that will absolutely require we'll call it further investigation or generally the inside visit some of them were surprising to me some weren't right so the first one you mentioned to me which i don't know why i wouldn't have thought of because the fireplace to me is the wood stove right so that if they have a wood stove so give some guidelines and again specific guidelines that you look for right if someone has a wood stove like i'm the realtor what should i double check as I'm showing that house.
1: Yeah. So you want to make sure it's sitting on something that's not going to catch on fire. And you know, that's you know kind of self-explanatory, but there are different criteria for that. You know, if it's in a basement, it's on a concrete floor probably don't have any problem with that. You know, if it's an insert that's in someone's living room, you want to make sure there's adequate clearance where they've got brick or some kind of fire retardant material underneath that wood stove. So you don't have to worry about embers, you know, falling out and catching the floor on fire and that kind of stuff. UL labels, you want to make sure it's a UL approved. I live in a rural area. So we have lots of wood stoves that people have made over the years. (laughs) That's not going to work. You know, you can't have a homemade wood stove, as far as insurance company is concerned. So things like that are the biggest things when it comes to wood stoves is just, you know, making sure it, you know, just passes the eye test. Hey, it looks good. It looks fine. You know, that kind of thing.
0: Okay. So then there's some clear things with age of the house, right? Like what's the electrical? What's the plumbing, right? So you're looking for ages. What's been replaced? Are we on fuses? Have we Are we on 220, right? Like you're really kind of seeing what's been done or not, you know, quest piping.
1: Right, right. Yeah. The piping, the type of plumbing that it has definitely can play a factor. No one likes quest <laughs> plumbing. That's for sure. Yeah. Circuit breakers, in fuses, knob and tube wiring, you know, if it's got old wiring in it. and some of that you're not going to be able to see right yeah it's behind the wall how do you know but it's a question you should ask you know the current homeowner like what kind of wiring does this have and a lot of times the home inspection will bring that to light for sure they can tell by if it's got a three-prong outlet or a two-prong outlet what's behind that outlet let's take a little look to see what kind of wiring you got there all they do is make the insurance company they want to do a little more due diligence and find out okay what is really going on there i want to make sure i'm clear on this too none of these are limiting factors to getting insurance we always have an option there's always someone who will insure it it just narrows the scope of the people that will do it and it could cost you yeah, yeah
0: which makes sense i mean ultimately cuz you know when we tour a house it has a new hvac it has new you know if you take a 1960s house and nothing's been done it's not only all the work they have to do, but yes. you know, it's also again, okay. That's something we need to pay attention to. So this was interesting. So obviously a roof, very important component of a house, you know, roofs can last fine mean, as you know, 15 years, some of them go for 30 and they're still going strong, but there's some very interesting statistics on roofs that to me was really surprising based on different insurance companies. So some of them you had mentioned 20 years or newer is fine. Some of them, how many years?
1: It's 20 to 15, some instances now four. Four. It just it, it, depending on the company, the area, the state it's in, the zip code it's in. It's just another way of them limiting the amount of policies they want to write in that area. You know, And it's true on every insurance application I've ever seen. There's four components of the house that the insurance company wants to know about. They want to know the age of the roof. They want to know when the HVAC was last replaced, wiring and plumbing. Those are the four main components that they want to know. Because if you think about it, they change the effective age of that house. If you've got a buyer, you're showing a home that's been completely gutted and got new wiring, plumbing, new HVAC and a new roof, that's effectively a new house, you know, because the things that could be a potential claim usually arise from those four components. Obviously, you know, someone could have foundation issues or they could just have a kitchen fire, but it's none of that's directly attributed to the major components of that house.
0: Agreed. So that's something, again, four components. So roof, HVAC, wiring, plumbing, right? Even it's just a little checklist to know, ooh, These are all questionable. You know, this can affect your insurance, right? So we're going to make sure we talk to someone sooner, which we're going to get into
1: as well. Well, they could also affect their insurance in a positive way too, you know, so being an older wiring and plumbing, you know, certainly that's going to factor into ratings. But if someone's got a new roof, they're usually going to get, you know, between the 20 to 25% discount because it's a new roof and a new roof doesn't mean new today, you know, it could be new within the last couple of years. So it could be a selling point too, when you're looking at houses like, hey, this one's got a new roof so insurance costs are going to be less.
0: Okay. So question. So one thing that I was thinking of is riders. Like I have a septic, right? To me there's also conversations I think that should happen that the owner borrow whatever we're going to call them that the home buyer doesn't think about that. So like for example, are there riders that we should so in other words, I have a septic, should I always be talking to about a rider to make sure that it covers backflow into the house. Again, I'm making some of this up, but like, to me, it's like floodplains easy. If you're in a floodplain, sometimes you're going to have to be required anyway, but are there also like septics or things that are riders that aren't automatic that I should pay attention to?
1: There are, yeah. You know, most 99% of home insurance policies do not include on their standard policy water backup coverage for example so water sewer backs up and causes a mess, damages the floors, all those things, that's not covered unless you have an endorsement for water backup coverage, which is very inexpensive. It's not an expensive coverage to have, but it's something that you want to make sure you add to that policy to make sure, because it's one of the highest claim frequencies out there. It's one of the most popular claims is a water backup claim. So it's, it's something that's very important to have, but it's not included, but it's easy to add. Very, very easy
0: as we're talking about triggers that come up, like, you know, like, funny enough, not funny, but earthquake, like we had an earthquake here, remember, like 10 years ago, we yeah. remember, I've had, and there was a lot of earthquake damage. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say or that's a pretty extreme, like not often example, but water backup, other things that are endorsements, writers, whatever. I yeah. Well,
1: remember. earthquakes, a funny one because, and again, I'm speaking about Virginia for the most part, yes, me because, too. you know, it's different in every state, but like earthquakes not automatically added to a policy either. Never and,
0: would have done it ever. I've been and, sold whatever, 10, yeah, 15 years and ago. Well, and an some
1: companies don't even offer it. And there's right. also criteria, which is going to sound kind of, it makes sense when you really think about it, but like a lot of brick homes, you can't get earthquake coverage for because the brick, crumbles and fails and is cracking. If it's vinyl siding, no problem. But if it's brick, they, you can't get earthquake coverage on it. Not something we really, you know, worry about in our area so much this earthquake, but this is so one me, of those things. Yeah,
0: that's kind of, I just thought of it as a one-off, but to me, like the water backup. So as someone who's had that happen twice, so yeah. a water conditioning explosion, as well as the septic backing up,
1: yeah, that was super Well, fun. another endorsement that can be added to policies, not included on most policies too, is one that we use a lot. It's called matching vinyl siding yes. or roof. Say you had a fire at the front of your house and, you know, they, they replace all the vinyl, but then the side and the back. They're faded because they've been in the sun. They don't have to replace that unless you add this indoor. Again, very inexpensive to add, but it's something that you want to have, or you could have a mismatched roof, or you could have we a house with three different colors, you know, because it didn't match.
0: Yeah. So this is to me. So is this something you think that we need to, as consumers, be more aware that we should ask for, or is it something right. that insurance company almost should have a checklist or you do that? You, but I'm just saying there's certain things to me, like, like again... A house was signing the matching roof, and matching roof is you know half the time once half green and it's half a, black, and you're like, oh.
1: It's a conversation that me as the agent needs to have with each individual, because all insurance is, is you're passing off risk. So when you buy a home policy, you're passing off some of the risk to the insurance company. It's just how much risk are you willing to take on for the price? And it depends on the price consideration. So if I'm dealing with a customer and I say, okay, look, if you have a fire, no, and you have to replace half the siding on the house, it's going to be this. Now you can add this endorsement to replace it all, or you can keep your policy a little less expensive and knowing that, if you can't live with that, you're going to have to replace the rest of that siding. And that's okay. If someone says, well, I'm fine with replacing some siding if I have to, right. then that's fine. They choose to retain that risk themselves. So it's just a conversation that needs to happen to make sure people understand what they're getting and know that you know, most things are covered under home insurance, most, but not everything. And so right. you have to understand what's not covered just in case you want to add that. Well, that's a good
0: question, right? What's not covered? Because as someone who... Went through a couple of things where I'm like, how on earth is that? I'm sure. But listen, if I had read all 92 pages, I would have gone, oh, that's not covered. Right. And or, you know, at some point you just go, I'm paying for this. This looks good. And here we go. Right. It's part of my payment. So, all right. A couple of things I want to cover before we end. One is, all right, I'm a realtor how do i best advise my client who is therefore going to of course get homeowner's insurance they need it they don't have a choice right like it's not like do you opt to get home right yeah no you're getting it so i think that between the realtor and the lender it's a little bit more on the realtor side in this point because you and i talked about this offline i have more of a relationship with that borrower right with that client and so I think that things that we should make sure we know, like you said, you want to talk to the client, right? And so Correct. the time to do that, it seems like it would be fantastic, right? If I could just call you every day, wouldn't you love this and go, hey, I'm showing 123 Main Street. What do you know? Which we cannot do. That makes sense. It would make you crazy too. But So I you know, connect with my clients on the front end. Right. As I do the interview, which I do. Interestingly, one we didn't cover on triggers, pets. So I always ask as part of my intake, tell me about kids, pets, right? like Because I need to know who's the family who's living in this house. Pets also mean could be more yard, less yard, right? Like, do we need a fence, invisible fence? What conversation does that bring up? But pets also brings up questions for you.
1: Correct. Yes, because we definitely need to know about pets. Again, this is not a blanket statement, but some insurance companies don't like particular breeds of dogs, for example. There's a, a pretty universal list of the do not ensure dog list i'll call it you know pit bulls german shepherds any breed that has a reputation of being an aggressive breed or any animal that has any history of biting somebody and it's not just dogs either there's certain carriers like if you've got a horse you know they may be cool with one horse but they're probably not going to be cool with three horses i've got several clients that have like Vietnamese pot belly pigs and some chickens and things like that. Those are things that we need to know in order to not have problems down the road, to make sure that you are with the carrier that's fine with those. Because you don't want to find out the hard way that you've got them, they didn't know about it. And then you all of a sudden you got a claim, and they're like, oh, wait a minute, this is it's in our all that ninety-two pages that you said you didn't have these. So now we got a problem. You don't right. want to find out the hard way. So
0: you're telling me I need to add pigs and chickens to my intake list? <laughs> yeah,
1: exotic animals. Huh? Okay,
0: I will do that. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I will add that today. And then there's also as we're underwriting a home, you're also underwriting a client, right? So part of that conversation with them. That you and I have decided that really, as soon as a house goes under contract, what I need to do is get them in front of you because we've got to get some information about the house. And being frank, if I'm representing a buyer in this case, as they're applying, right, and you're doing a history search, number one, are there any major issues with the house that I need to know about that could cause an insurability problem? You can also see if there have been claims on that house correct
1: we can see if there have been claims yes there's lots of things so the earlier the better and I was doing some quick math here too it's not just you know Is this going to be a good fit for this person? But also, you know, and we do this a lot on the mortgage side more so than we do for the realtor side. Whereas, you know, when you're going to get a mortgage and the the loan officer gives the customer an estimated pay, this is what your payment's going to be. Taxes and insurance are included in that. Oftentimes, even in a challenging market like we're in, say the loan officer said, okay, we're going to estimate it's $100 a month for the insurance. Okay. I'm just using round numbers. Sure. All of a sudden, we come in and we find that, okay, the insurance is going to be 60 So now that means that's $40 less than house payment. That $40 equals, with given today's rates, which change all the time, that could be another $10,000 that person could have spent on that house yep. in a competitive situation. You say, hey, we can up our offer a little bit and get this house because insurance is a lot less than we thought it would be. So obviously you're not going to change the taxes, but the insurance is, you know, one of those things that there's some wiggle room a lot of times.
0: But I guess the flip side is also true. We can assume... I'm going to make this again, totally making this up. Yep. It's a four bedroom house with a garage and a basement. And in theory, it should be a hundred dollars a month. Correct. And then you go and you run everything and it's got quest piping and a wood stove and original plumbing and electric and the roof's 26 years old. And you go, Oh, it's really now I'm going to again, exaggerate here, but $200 a month, right? Like Correct. all of a sudden it's shockingly worse or because this house has, again, I'm just going to pick on stuff. An original roof and Quest piping and knob and two wiring, it's going to be really hard to ensure it. If I know this before we even go into the inspection, right? Or the next steps. And we can say, now, look, I can't go to the seller and make them fix all of it. But I can certainly say, hey, we're going to be a little tougher on this inspection. You got to replace the roof because that's one of the things that we need that's going to make this work for us or not. So there is this higher level of information, especially let's use Quest again. And let's say, you know, they come to you and you reach out to both of us and say, oh, there been four water claims on this house with this piping. Well, number one, that means probably we're not going to get insurance, but number two, it means this quest, which may not have been an issue has been right. So not only is it an issue in insurance, but it's no longer just the system I need to be aware of. It's a failed system in this house, um, which could also change my negotiation or frankly, our decision to move forward. And then there's also them, right? Because you need to see Claims they've, right? They've had a lot of liability claims. So again, it might be the house is golden, but these are the insurance nightmares of the century. Right, right, right. And, yeah. And they literally is a picture of them going, "Do not insure." Right, and now right. we have bigger problems.
1: Yeah, they could have had a tree fell on the house they're moving from, or two houses ago. You know, claims typically, and I'm using general terms here, but claims typically stay with people for five years. So, oh. if they've had a, you know, so they've got five years of insurance history. You know, they just had a tree fell on their house three years ago, but they're buying a new house now that tree could still follow them, you know, to the new house, not, not in all situations, but it's just something that you need to know before it's too late, I guess.
0: I'm I'm picturing this creeping tree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You know. That's good. That I was, was painting the picture. That's good. I was No, it was really. Following it's you very visual. Street. I see right. the tree. Um, <laughs> right.
0: But no, I mean all this is super important, right? I think so to wrap up, which I can't tell you how much I appreciate because I again, I've taken three pages of notes and I'm going to change how I do some things in in my business. So I would imagine anyone listening, you've gotten some nuggets from this, but it's very important to understand making sure that we are a little more diligent in really setting our clients up for insurance sooner. Cause I do think it's more of a passive, not no disrespect to insurance, but it's more like, oh yeah, don't forget to do this check, right? It like is, check yeah. it off. And yeah. oh yeah, the the writer just, the policy just needs to be at closing on our end. You know, is it there? Oh cool. Like the policy is yeah. good. And obviously we don't review it and I'm not saying we should, but Also on my end is like, you know, I should also, if I'm educating my client now, I do all the time because I've had two septic backups and well, septic and a water conditioner. Hey, we got to make sure you have this coverage. I want you to ask about this through problems, but it's like, how can we more effectively take really good care of our client? How can we make sure we ask more questions at the front end? I'm adding pigs and chickens, right? No, you know, other animals. And then, ooh, they do have, which my family has lots of German shepherds, right? But it's like, hey, let's make sure and let's really be more proactive in this. And then in studying the house, let's be really diligent in the systems and everything and understanding not just for your maintenance and upkeep, but what problems or issues could there be that we want to make sure we're aware of? So you've really made it clear the importance But I think most of us on our end, lender, realtor end, don't put enough time and energy into that pretty major part of this purchase, right? Which it is. So, you know, now knowing you, I get to, you know, connect with you and say like, how do we proactively like... I'd like to create an info sheet for clients, right? And I really want to make sure that I tell them it's not just, you know, send me your earnest money deposit. Let's set up your home inspection. You're going to call, we're going to call Danny and you are going to talk to him about insurance right now. So each one of these, I love, I mean, I'm going to thank Alcova again for letting me do this because each one of these, frankly, has just been an amazing education And I want to thank you because I've learned a ton from you today. Oh,
1: no, thank you. I appreciate the time. So the last thing I'll say for the listeners out there is obviously we want everyone to partner with us, but that's not feasible with everybody is make sure you have a relationship with a good local, someone in the insurance business that can advise those customers because it comes back to the relationship. You want to make sure it's someone that you trust, and you know, that has your customers best interest at heart and is going to advise them to do what makes the most sense. A lot of the things we talked about on here, are the, the kind of the scary things, but it's usually not. It's usually very straightforward. The way we do it is first, you know, we want to make sure that the house is taken care of if something happens. So when I start any client conversation, I say, you know, first thing we're going to do is we're going to make sure that we have the right coverage for you and your house, not the right coverage for your parents or your Your cousin, this is the right coverage for you and your house, and to make sure that that's taken care of. And then we're going to shop it. We're going to be your personal shopper and shop it around to get you the most competitive rate we can for that coverage. And it just makes it easy for the client. You know, you want to make it easy for them. You kind of got back to, you, you mentioned earlier, Sometimes it's last minute. People don't, we got to get insurance. We forgot about that. More on the lender side, maybe on the realtor side, it's a box that's got to be checked, right? But it's an important box. It's a box that's got to be done or you can't go to close it. <laughs> In most instances, we want to make sure we get that done correctly and get it done early.
0: Agreed. Agreed. So again, we can all pay more attention and make sure we do have a great relationship with our insurance agent, right? That is also there to advise clients we have now that might be having issues that need reviews and everything else. So again, it's not just a, we'll call it necessary evil, right? It's a really vitally important part that we need to take much more seriously.
1: Yeah, it is. And we see it a lot. You know, We'll have realtors or mortgage professionals to say, hey, can you give us a quote for this customer on this house. Well, we can't really, you know, you know, you can't, we got to talk to them because their are disclosures. We have to go over with them. We have to get their approval to run their quotes. And, you know, credit is an issue. It's not an issue for insurance as far as it doesn't count against their credit scores or anything. But anytime you're doing anything that's credit based, you have to get their approval to do it. So we really need to talk to them first to make sure that we, you know, get their okay with it. But the problem that and we've seen this happen is where we do get a policy issue. Maybe we have very minimal interaction with the client, just email back and forth. Yeah, get me some quotes, that kind of thing, where something happens on the back end where all of a sudden now their insurance is being canceled because there was no way we could have known without getting all the information. Yeah. So now we got to find them a new policy, and when we find them a new policy, it may not be what they had before. Okay. Cost costs more, to yeah. be harder, and it's a pain for them. You know, that's the thing. Now all of a sudden, the customer's inconvenienced at the least. So we want to make sure that we get everything done right the first time and get them what they need so they don't have to worry about it again.
0: Agreed. You kind of wrapped it up in a nice little bow. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. And thank you again for joining me today. Oh, thank you for
1: having me. It's been great.
0: You have a great day real estate unscripted is sponsored
1: by alcova mortgage alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process check out the tools we offer to realtors and home buyers at alcova.com realtors alcova mortgage equal housing lender NMLS ID number 40508, nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
0: Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.